Good morning, church. So glad you're here on this warm and balmy morning. That's a good word, isn't it? Balmy. Not so good to feel it, but it's a good word. Hey, I am really glad that you are here this morning. I am super excited about the message this morning. I've been waiting, anticipating this particular message. And as you know, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know this. If you're kind of new here, then this will kind of help you get to know me just a little bit better. Uh, And for those of you who maybe this is your first or second time here at Lighthouse and and you brought some kids with you, uh, just so you know, our children's ministry is taking the month of August off, except for children below the age, I think, of preschool. But uh, taking that time off to allow our volunteers to have a break. But we also value the fact that we want our children to worship together with us. And this is a great opportunity for that to happen. In September, on September 12th, children's ministry will be kicking right back in. So, speaking about children, I have three daughters. My oldest daughter is Maddie. My youngest daughter is Tori. And squished right in between them is my daughter, Alex. She is our middle child. Now, it's interesting to me as, I, as I've kind of thought about this, because there are a lot of middle children who grow up with a chip on their shoulder. If you're a middle child, just put your hand up real quick, real quick. Middle child, raise it high, okay? Like you're proud, okay? All right, good. Bunch of middle children here, all right? And a lot of times, middle children, they kind of grow up with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, you middle children, you probably know what I'm talking about. In fact, uh, there's, there is a theory called um, middle child syndrome, middle child syndrome, and uh, it is defined by Health Online as, quote, a term used to describe how, middle, how being a middle child shapes one's personality and outlook in life. The supposed characteristics of middle child syndrome include feeling ignored or rejected or even abandoned simply because of where they are in the birth order, okay? Uh, It's interesting, many, many middle children feel like they have to compete for their parents' affection and attention, Uh, and oftentimes middle children don't really feel like they are the quote-unquote favorite child in the family, One study revealed that middle children are 33% more likely to participate in delinquent activities than older children. And yet, in the midst of all of the the research that has been done in birth order, there is no conclusive evidence that there is any truth whatsoever to middle child syndrome. So y'all are just complaining and whining. Get over it and move on. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I love you all, all you middle children. Now, here's the thing. Ready for this? There are 1,189, 1,189 chapters in the Bible. 1,189 chapters in the Bible. And if we go by chapters, then the exact middle of the Bible is the chapter of Psalms that we're going to be talking about today. And the good news is that the Bible contains no middle child syndrome when it comes to scripture. In fact, the really cool thing is that the psalm that we're going to be looking at today gives us an incredible amount of of depth to our lives as followers of Jesus. Now, here's another cool thing. Not only 
is it the exact middle of the Bible by chapter? It is also the shortest psalm in the book of Psalms. Can I get an amen? Not only is it the, the, the exact middle by chapter, not only is it the shortest psalm in the book of Psalms, it is the shortest chapter in the entire Bible. It weighs in at two verses. Two verses. Now I'm looking out here and I'm seeing some of you kind of smiling because you're thinking, if this is the shortest chapter in Psalms and the, short, the shortest chapter in the Bible, then surely this is going to be the shortest sermon that we've ever heard. No. To which I go, <laughs> you don't know me very well. So the first, I'm actually going to take the first 45 minutes to talk about the first, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, all right? Here's the thing, in your Bibles, turn to Psalm 117. In your Bibles, turn to Psalm 117, whether you've got the book or you've got it on your phone or your tablet, turn to Psalm 117, and listen to me, I told you it's two verses, two verses long, but don't let the brevity of the chapter fool you. Don't let its length fool you. It may be small, but it packs a ferocious punch. You ready? Psalm chapter 117. We're going to be reading verses 1 and 2 because they're the only verses that are there. Ready? Here we go. Praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. I need you to be a little bit louder like you're happy about it. Ready? Praise the Lord. Say it. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol. Who knows what extol means? Now, I had, I had to look at, yep, hardly anybody. I had to look that up in the dictionary. The word extol means to praise highly, to glorify. Uh, in Doug terms, it means to take it up a notch. If, if you have a, a guitar amplifier that goes to 10, it means turn it to 11. Okay, that's what extol means. All right, extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Whew. This is one short song. That hardly qualifies as a chorus for, the most of the, for most of the songs that you and I sing, right? But wow, what a song. Now, my family, my family, we love to sing. We do. We love to sing. Most people don't like it when we sing, but we don't care. We love to sing. We sing in the car. We sing in the shower. We sing. We love to sing. In fact, uh, we subscribe to Buddy the Elf's claim that the, great, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. That's what our family does. We love to sing and we love to sing loud. One of our favorite things about road trips is turning on the 80s and just singing loud. Okay, we love it. We love to sing together. Now, here's the thing. This particular hymn or this particular song, Psalm 117, was meant to be sung together. This isn't a shower song. I mean, you can sing it in the shower, but this psalm, this song was written to be sung together. Now, let me give you a little example of what I mean by singing together, okay? Today, today is Elaine Wheeler's 29th birthday, okay? Yeah, yeah, it's Elaine's birthday. So, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Muting myself. Happy birthday. 
Deary Lane. Happy birthday to you. How many of you just saying happy birthday to Elaine? Put your hand up high. Really, hold it up there. Look around. Look around. Look at I didn't ask you to sing. Did I? Did I say join me in singing happy birthday? There's Elaine right there. Happy birthday, Elaine. That woman's awesome. We did this outreach event yesterday, not part of the sermon. We did an outreach to Edison neighborhood, and she was the organizer connected with uh, Urban Light. Crushed it. What an amazing time yesterday. Anyway, so we all sang happy birthday. There were those of you who don't even know Elaine. You couldn't pick, pick her out of a police lineup, and you sang happy birthday to Elaine. I didn't ask you to sing because happy birthday is one of those songs that you just jump in and you join. Listen, when my family, again, when we're at a, at, at a restaurant and it's somebody's birthday, we don't care if we know them and everybody's, we sing happy birthday with them. It's just one of those songs that you jump in and join. That's what Psalm 117 is. And here's the thing. When we worship together, we come together. Let me say that again. When we worship together, we come together. Worship through music has some unique properties. Music itself has unique properties. If you remember, probably three or four weeks ago, I talked about how, uh, you know, music is an amazing trigger for memories. I talked about that a few weeks ago, how we can sing a song and we will, we will immediately be transported to a specific time and place with a specific group of people in a memory. Music has a way of doing that. Well, here's another unique thing that music does. Music draws people together. Music unites people together. Just like just now, when we sang happy birthday, all of our good feelings were going toward Elaine. It drew us together. And that's what, mu- what music does. It is like a tractor beam. For those of you who are Star Wars fans, it, 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 is, it has gravitational pull. It draws us together. Music does. Now, I think you will agree with me that when we read those two verses of Psalm 117... This little psalm, these two verses, they bring joy. You can almost feel the joy vibrating out of those psalms. It lifts your spirit when you sing it. But here's a little insight that I want you to know, okay? Something I want you to know about Psalm 117. And this, as I was preparing for this, this is what I have been waiting all week to share with you. It's something that, it it, kind of just blew my mind. And I think for some of you, it's going to do the same thing. You ready for this? Psalm 117 is part of a group of psalms called in in Hebrew, the Hillel. The Hillel. Say Hillel. It's the Hillel. They're actually chapters 113, Psalms 113 through Psalm 118. That group of psalms is called the Hillel. And they're very important in Judaism. They're very important to the Jews. Their greatest feast is the feast of the Passover, reminding them of the time when when they were able to be rescued from slavery in Egypt and move out ultimately to the promised land. So the Passover reminds them of the time when, when the angel of death swept throughout Egypt and they took the firstborn lamb or firstborn animal, sacrificed it to God, 
painted their doorposts with the blood of that animal. And so when the angel of death came through Egypt, it passed over the houses of those who had the blood on their door jams or doorposts, okay? And so during the Passover, they remember what God did for them. And during the Passover, they would sing the Hillel. During the Passover, they would sing Psalms 113 through 118. After the second cup of the Passover, they would sing Psalms 113 and 114. And then at the end, at the conclusion of the Passover feast, they would sing Psalms 115 through 118. They would sing that at the conclusion. Now, why does this matter? Why did I take the time to get myself all sweaty to tell you about the Hillel and Psalms 113 through 117? And this is why it matters. This is so awesome and mind-blowing. In Matthew, check this out, you ready for this? Chapter, Matthew chapter 26, on the night of Jesus' execution, on the night before Jesus' execution, he was participating in the Passover meal with his disciples. Jesus was about to become the perfect sacrifice. No longer would there need to be sheep or goats or doves or, or, or anything like that. Jesus was about to become the perfect Passover sacrifice. And not just for his disciples and not just for Israel, but for all of humanity, for you and for me. So Jesus and the disciples conclude the Passover together. And this is what we read in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Matthew 26 is telling us that after they sang the second half or the second part of the Hillel is when they went to the Mount of Olives. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, the night before Jesus would die, would be excruciatingly tortured and then die a grisly death, the night before he became a willing, innocent victim who was murdered on a cross, Jesus sang these words. Praise the Lord all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Jesus is about to be arrested. He is about to experience, experience an excruciating torture and death that you and I can't even begin to comprehend. And he's singing these words of Psalm 117, praise the Lord. All you nations, greatly praise him, all you peoples. For great is the love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And you and I look at that and go, Jesus knew what he was about to experience. How could he sing that, those words right there? How could he sing those two verses? And here's why, my friends. Because Jesus knew that he was about to become the embodiment of those two verses. Great is God's faithfulness. His love endures forever. And Jesus is about to show God's love to you and me. 
Why would the nations praise God? Because God loves them. Why would they praise him? Because his faithfulness endures forever. And Jesus' death on the cross revealed God's love and faithfulness to you and to me. He was the fulfillment of Psalm 117, verses 1 and 2. And Jesus, the Son of God, his knowledge of his Father's love toward him and the Father's enduring faithfulness is what would cause Jesus to sing these words. I believe that as Jesus sang these words, it wasn't just about you and me, but it was about him as well. He was about to go through all of this all of this pain and agony and suffering and torture and blood and mutilation and mental and physical and emotional and spiritual torture. He was about to go through it, but he knew the depth of his father's love. He knew the depth and the greatness of his father's faithfulness. And that's why he could sing, because he knew that when he died on the cross, that death was not forever. It was temporary. It was a moment. It was a grain of sand on the beach of eternity. And Jesus knew that. Jesus' death is proof of God's love and faithfulness and is what causes all nations to praise the Lord. God's love and faithfulness is what causes all people to highly praise him. And herein lies another power that music holds. You ready for this? The ability to bring healing and peace in times of trouble. Music has the ability to bring healing and peace in times of trouble. Whether you're talking about the Psalms, or you're talking about the the black spirituals from the 1800s or contemporary music today. Music has a way of calming the heart, healing the soul, and bringing peace. And I honestly believe that is why, with the knowledge of the pain that he was about to go through, Jesus sang because singing was a reminder of the Father's love and faithfulness and brought peace to his soul. So, my friends... Maybe this is your time to sing. No, 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 there's no maybe there. This is your time to sing. Whether it's because you have been experiencing God's faithfulness and favor in your life. You have been experiencing things where you go, man, I don't deserve this. I don't know why I received this. I don't know why this is happening to me. But wow, am I glad it is. This is your opportunity to praise God for his love and his blessings and his favor on you. For others of you, maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you're going to sing to be reminded of God's great love and his enduring faithfulness to you. And that just like Jesus, this is a small amount of time that you're going through. It's a grain of sand on the beach of eternity. But you're singing now to be reminded as you go through the hardships of right now, you are reminded of God's love, his enduring love, his love that would, that would send his one and only son to the cross to die for you. That's how much God loves you, that you endure the momentary pain of right now to receive the eternal joy that comes from the faithfulness of God. 
you got to sing. We have to sing. You must sing. We got to sing together. It unites us and brings healing to our soul. Now, one of my very favorite Pixar movies is Finding Nemo. I love Finding Nemo. I love Finding Nemo and I, find, uh, and I love Up. They're my two favorite, favorite Pixar movies. And in, if you remember, if you've seen the movie in Finding Nemo, there, there's this time of deep sadness and, and kind of an overhanging gloom. Because if you remember Dory and Marlin, uh, Nemo's dad, they're, they're swimming, they're trying to find him. And they found that, that, that scuba diver's mask that had the address in Australia, in Sydney, Australia. Remember that? And then all of a sudden it dropped down into the black abyss and Marlin was defeated. Nemo's dad was like, he's done. It's over. We're finished. And then Dory comes up to him and says, when life gets you down, you know what you do? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim, swim. You remember that? I love that scene. I think Dory's right, but she's got it just a little bit off. She got a little bit off. What do we do when things get us down? What do you do when life gets down? You just keep singing. You just keep singing. You just keep singing, singing, singing. You just keep, what do we do? We sing, sing, sing. And some of you are going, please do not ever do that again. (laughs) Please, for the love of God, please don't do it. All right. But we sing, we sing. That's why I love in scripture. It says, make a joyful noise because that makes room for me. Right. But we sing when things are great. We sing. When things are awful, we sing. Why? We sing when things are great because we give God the praise and the glory for what's going on. We sing when we're down and when things are awful because we're reminded in that moment of God's faithfulness and his love. And we don't sing alone. We sing together. We sing together because worship of God unites us together. So that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna join together and we're gonna sing. Where is it? We only did a couple songs in the beginning because I want to, I asked Michael, I, I'd like to do some songs here at the end just for us to sing together. And I hope that you will be inspired. I hope that you will do what Psalm 117 says, and that's praise the Lord, all you nations. I know there are a number of nations that are, rec- that, that are, are represented here, not just the United States. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him over turn it up to 11 i better hear you sing this morning turn it up to 11 all you peoples for great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the lord endures forever praise the lord say praise the lord Lord. now would you stand up with me and we are going to continue worshiping the lord together and before we do i have three questions three questions i want to toss out to you to consider today and this week as you reflect on Psalm 117. The first question is this, what did you learn today? What did you learn today? And it's how is it going to, how is what you learned today going to change your heart? Because changed hearts change our actions. Number two, what keeps you from singing more? What keeps you from singing more? Are you unsure about your voice? Obviously that's not a problem for me. Okay. Shouldn't be a problem for you when you're praising the Lord. Praise him out loud. I've shared this story before. The pastor at one of the churches I, I, I served at, I would stand next to him and that man could not sing a lick. He was awful. 
And he sang so loud, but he wasn't singing for me. And he wasn't singing to me. And God was, I believe, in heaven going, oh, man, I love his voice. I love to hear. Don't worry what the people around you think. I don't care, all right? So what keeps you from singing more? And finally, how does God use praise of him to give us hope? That's a strong question. How does God use praise of him to give you hope? 